Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Beat. And uh, nope, you don't have to adjust your volume or anything. The voice is indeed different. My name is Dumi Jere, and I'm in the driver's seat today. Arnold Segawa will be back next week. Uh, well, hopefully. I'm coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. As usual, I'm not alone. My co-host is with me, Maggie Mutesi, coming to us from Nairobi in Kenya, as well as a guest co-host today, Michael Mujisha, coming to us from the United States of America. Let me start with you, Maggie. How are you doing? How are things in Kenya? I hear you guys are now allowed to travel uh, between cities. Uh, thanks to me, we are out of lockdown. It's such a different mode in Nairobi altogether. Three weeks of a 7 p.m. curfew has been quite intense, I think 8 p.m. So we're now having different businesses open and uh, business seems to be back to normal from today. And uh, it's quite exciting. I mean, it's Corona time. So every little adjustment is a celebration. Indeed. Nice, nice. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Which part of uh, United States are you in? Um, I'm currently in the state of Illinois in Chicago. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, and how are things there? How's the vaccine rollout going in the United States? Um, have you received a vaccine? Yeah, actually, I got one shot and uh, one more is coming up in uh, May, May 11th. I'll get my second vaccine of the Moderna vaccine. Oh, lovely. How amazing. I haven't even got my first shot. <laughs> Why? I, I have a feeling that uh, frontline people like yourself, a journalist, should be prioritized in getting vaccines because if you don't, then how are people going to find out about all these numbers and the news that is circulating? Well, I think that's what we're going to go deeper into in this conversation. So it was a good thing that, um, I mean, we spoke about uh, you getting the vaccine because mm-hmm. um, for us folks here in Africa, we are watching in total disbelief the scenes that are happening in uh, India currently. Michael, what do you think is going to be the potential ripple effect to the continent? I think the other week we also saw the report by the IMF regarding how possibly sub-Saharan Africa will likely come out of this uh, pandemic. How do you think those two relate? There's a vaccine delay. The numbers are not looking good. What are your thoughts around that? Mm -hmm. Dumi, let's, let's face it, right? If you look at current standings on the continent, you have 80 to 90% of the medicines used on the continent being imported and mainly from India, China, and parts of Europe, mm. right? Now, with yep. India going through what we're seeing, uh, them being the record breaker for the most number of cases as of the second wave, maybe third mm. wave, yep. 400,000 people, that's insane. And Recently, we were seeing Mm -hmm. a halt in production and the distribution of the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine, which was mainly distributed to Africa also after India felt like they had some sort of immunity. Now, with what's going on, I would call it a setback because look at a country like uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo that is expected to lose about maybe a good 3.1 million correct me if I'm wrong, million vaccines because they couldn't roll them out, right? Now, that was then when they had them. Now, imagine when they don't actually have the vaccines. What does that even look like? It's mm. very it's very much a setback. 
And I think that number is around 1.3 million doses. Um, um, I, which think I, to I, think, I think I had it the <laughs> other way. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of uh, dyslexic, <laughs> dyslexic. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, um, so I got to agree with you there, uh, Michael, that um, it is a huge setback for Africa. Maggie, what are your thoughts around what's happening in India? The case is rising and uh, uh, potential vaccine delay to the African continent. What do you make of this? Well, um, it's quite saddening, but it's also a reminder of uh, being prepared for the worst, especially on the African continent. We know that we have much more than uh, access to uh, the vaccines on the continent. I mean, there's so much more from logistics to store and distribute the vaccines. This is why we hear cases of like the Congo, Michael mentioned 1.3 million doses have been withdrawn by UNICEF because they were about to expire in the Congo. So there are these cases of um, how do you even store the vaccine and then being able to distribute it across the citizens. We have infrastructure problems across the continent. But there is also hesitancy, Dumi. For example, I want to bring it closer to me here in Kenya. Uh, there's been one million doses that were supposed yeah. Supposed to be given out, and until now, not half of these mm. vaccines have actually been distributed because there is hesitancy with what people think the vaccine is really all about. And when you hear a little cases of AstraZeneca blood clots, there's a bit of no, no, no. I don't want to actually take that mm -hmm. vaccine, and you know, Maggie, while you're still on that, I have a friend. Uh, right, what I when I got the my vaccine. Uh, this friend asked me, so are you sure there's going to be no side effects? I was like, well, the <laughs> medical experts, the scientists say that there'll be no side effects. The only thing you'll feel is maybe a sore arm or something mm. like that. Maybe a headache, which you can get a mm. Tylenol for. And then they're like, are you sure there's not going to be like a long-term thing? And then right after that week, news came out that we may actually need to take a COVID-19 shot every year, just like we get the flu shot. So there's a lot going around that, you know, <laughs> so I hear you. I think you actually bring in an interesting point, Michael. And I, I don't really want to say I'm one of the people that are really hesitant, but um, I also have my own fears with regards to has the storage really mm. been okay Um if I take the AstraZeneca, will the second bit be AstraZeneca or will it be Pfizer? Like, will I have the same thing, consistency? Because, of course, they are purchasing it in bits and bits and bits. So there is that uncertainty when it comes to that. But bringing it back to investment, though, like I mentioned earlier on, Kenya has just opened up and really the biggest economy in East Africa. And the question is, even the president when he was speaking was, until we are able to vaccinate a certain population of the country, business cannot really get back to normal because mm. there is still risks and, um, you know, they've got to take certain measures against COVID-19 because a big population of uh, the country is not vaccinated, which brings us back to revelations that have been made by the IMF or World Bank that it's going to take some years for African economies to open up because of the COVID-19 vaccine. There's no access to that. It's quite expensive. I know that uh, countries like Ghana have been in talks with uh, the likes of AstraZeneca to have a license to be able to manufacture in Africa. South Africa itself, Dumi, has been trying to do a Johnson & mm -hmm. Johnson vaccine. I don't know where that conversation has progressed, but you know these are progressions we're seeing. 
but still we are not so sure. Yeah, so look, I think you uh, you mentioned Johnson & Johnson. Um, there was a suspension put on it, but uh, now not anymore. What that says to me, it's really unfortunate that uh, many of the countries are actually reacting in a very ad hoc manner in respect to the restrictions that they sometimes put at some of these things. I didn't think there was necessarily any need to hold the rollout of the vaccine, I mean, of the Johnson & Johnson, just merely because Europe and US have said stop. You can also conduct your own tests. Similarly, you were mentioning um, Kenya just this past week. Again, very ad hoc manner in respect to flight movements because Kenya announced it's going to suspend all passenger flights to and from India for two weeks starting midnight Saturday while cargo flights can continue. How much full thought is put in this? Because this stops that kind of operating business is not great for an economy that is already on the back foot according to the IMF report on sub-Saharan Africa. We're already on the back foot already. So putting things like this, it just makes the recovery much tougher. I think that's my take. I don't know about you, Michael. What are your thoughts? I think while you're still on Kenya, Dumi, let's look at it from a perspective of, say, tourism, right? Yeah. In my past work, I covered a good amount of uh, tourism and uh, tourism revenues and uh, Kenya is a stronghold in East Africa's economy as far as uh, tourism goes. If like for me in the United States, when I'm watching TV, there is a show that used to run by Warner Bros. is called Living Single. Mm-hmm. Like they're on that show wearing Kenya all the time. So it tells you how much of a big player in this industry is. Right. But look at, at the year 2020, the numbers that they reported, a fall mm-hmm. in the revenue of 80 percent. You know, that is up to 1.5 billion US dollars that the government did not get from the tourism sector. Mm -hmm. As for East Africa, you're looking at maybe a good 3.5%. And again, it's an estimate, but like fall in the whole East Africa. Rwanda, in that particular conversation, relies heavily on tourism revenues with the goals that they had set for 2020. I'd be surprised if the numbers came out and things maybe were even halfway. Mm. All that being said is we are expected to see so much setbacks as far as the COVID-19 vaccines are not rolled out. And in this case, they're not even there. Mm -hmm. So it's very worrying. Yeah, there's something that people are raising around, is it morally and ethically okay to travel somewhere to get a vaccine? Or should you just wait mm-hmm. in your own country and uh, wait your turn until whenever your country is ready? I'm on the side that says, look, if there's an opportunity to get it somewhere, just go. No, that's actually happening already. In the state of Texas today, if you're there and you're an adult that is eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine, you can get a vaccine. It doesn't matter if you have like a permanent residence or if you are an American Anyone can get a vaccine. So according to the news, a lot of people are actually coming to the U.S. and going straight to Texas and they're getting their COVID-19 shots. So that's even a thing. It's already happening. Mm -hmm. Maggie? I mean, it's a conversation to really look deeper into. Companies manufacturing these vaccines have, um, if you look at it, uh, dividends for shareholders have gone really high. There's actually been a letter written to the U.S. government to be able to regulate this and find a way to make this about health and not about companies and, and profitability. 
It's somewhat sad what is happening because, um, you know, beginning of the pandemic, we all went into lockdown so united as the whole world, uh, cheering each other on, encouraging each other. But the end, the getting out of lockdown is almost each man for himself. I mean, I see pictures of Americans in Miami or Austin gathering around, having fun, sharing drinks with friends. While here in Africa, we're celebrating curfew being extended to 10 p.m., for example, in Kenya. What is the way forward with regards to where we find ourselves now? Michael, what are your final thoughts? I personally think countries that have been successful at curbing the spread of the COVID-19 mm. virus, the very first variant or even the second variant, the second wave, should uh, spearhead talks maybe around Africa or they mm -hmm. should be looked at and uh, take a leaf from their book yep. because with a smaller population or a much larger population where there is uh, complex healthcare systems mm. and, uh, you know, governance too. I think the first thing is to protect the citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, how much do we go deep to explain why this is important? Like you see in some countries, policies have led to people perishing. Mm. In some other countries, you're seeing political instabilities that are actually rising mm -hmm. now, you know, but if you look at how some of the countries that have been able to curb the spread of the COVID-19, it's the only way that even the second variant, the second wave will be curbed because the vaccines are going to take longer to get here, but at least we know they will get here. So the setbacks will be there, but again, we can slowly get back into motion rather than trying to look at the likes of Miami and want to do exactly the same which doesn't necessarily fit into our status quo. Fair enough. Uh, Maggie? It's really such an interesting view, African nations, to really manufacture a vaccine. We're looking at over a billion people, and uh, we're looking at countries that haven't even secured half of the vaccines for their population. Now, reports like uh, coming from like the IMF, AFDB, saying until 2023, if Africa hasn't, you know, found ways to vaccinate a certain percentage of its population, business will be, won't be back to normal are quite saddening. Here in Kenya, for example, we just got out of a lockdown, which left many businesses in hospitality closed for the past three weeks because with Kafu also comes with restrictions of uh, restaurants, bars and hotels where they can only do takeaways. Now, there is a certain profitability when it comes to these vaccines. When you read about how much companies that are manufacturing like AstraZeneca, Pfizer are making and shareholders, it's beyond billions of dollars. And uh, we've seen countries writing specifically to the WHO to see that countries can actually look at this in a humanitarian way, away from a business kind of angle where they actually make profits. But it's a reminder also for Africa. I mean, we export 80% of our pharmaceuticals when it comes to vaccines. We literally export 90-something percent of all of that. It's a reminder to look into what we can actually do, away from even securing the licenses and uh, trademarks of these vaccines. What can the continent do mm -hmm. to provide for its citizens? But it's also a realization. I mean, I'm always the optimistic one here. It's a realization of our potential yeah. to see what can be tapped into in terms of can South Africa make the Johnson & Johnson? Can the Johnson & Johnson actually take care of the continent? 
And if it does, it's not just only vaccinating mm-hmm. the citizens, but it's also about developing an entire pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. So away from what we might see as a crisis is also an yep. opportunity. And depending mm-hmm. on how our leaders really look at it, there's a chance here to develop an entire industry that could uplift not only the continent, but also the free trade agreement, FCFT, that we keep talking about. This is how mm-hmm. I really look at it. Nice, nice, nice. I think um, on my part, um, the virus is still real, folks. It's still within us, and uh, the delayed vaccine rollout across the continent, we can only expect the virus to be with us for a little longer. So we got to expect third, fourth, whatever waves that are still coming. Um, so here's my three cents. One, we got to place a high value on life. So that's one. Secondly, we got to continue listening to the authorities. And three, we shouldn't really develop a casual attitude. So on that note, folks, thank you for listening to this episode. A special thank you to my co-host, Maggie, our guest co-host, Michael, the team behind the scenes, and of course, to you, the loyal listeners. Remember to visit our website, mansamedia.africa, for more news about the continent, as well as follow our social media pages, Mansa Media Africa on Facebook and Mansa underscore media on Twitter. A special call out to follow our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music so that you are notified whenever a new episode goes live. I am Dumi Jerry. Until the next time, here's to peace and profit. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.